0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information for how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Liu. Essays, first series by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Essay 10, Circles. Nature centers into balls and a proud ephemerals fast to surface and outside. Scan the profile of the sphere. Knew they what that signified. A new genesis were here. 10. Circles The eye is the first circle. The horizon which it forms is a second. And throughout nature, this primary figure is repeated without end. It is the highest emblem in the cipher of the world. St. Augustine described the nature of God as a circle, whose center was everywhere, and its circumference nowhere. We are all our lifetime reading the copious sense of this first of forms. One moral we have already deduced, in considering the circular or compensatory character of every human action. Another analogy we shall now trace, that every action admits of being outdone our life is an apprenticeship to the truth, that around every circle another can be drawn, that there is no end in nature, but every end is a beginning, that there is always another dawn risen on mid-noon, and under every deep, a lower deep opens. This fact, as far as it symbolizes the moral fact of the unattainable, the flying perfect, around which the hands of every man can never meet. At once, the inspirer and the condemner of every success may conveniently serve us to connect many illustrations of human power in every department. There are no fixtures in nature. The universe is fluid and volatile. Permanence is but a word of degrees. Our globe, seen by God, is a transparent law, not a mass of fact. The law dissolves the fact and holds it fluid. Our culture is a predominance of an idea which draws after it this train of cities and institutions. Let us rise into another idea. They will disappear. The Greek sculptures all melted away, as if it had been statues of ice. Here and there a solitary figure or fragment remaining as we see flecks and scraps of snow left in cold dells and mountain clefts in June and July, for the genius that created it creates now somewhat else. The Greek letters last a little longer, but are already passing under the same sentence and tumbling into the inevitable pit which the creation of new thought opens for all that is old. The new continents are built out of the ruins of an old planet, the new races fed out of the decomposition of the foregoing. New arts destroy the old. See the investment of capital in aqueducts made useless by hydraulics, fortifications by gunpowder, roads and canals by railways, sails by steam, steam by electricity. You admire this tower of granite, weathering the hurts of so many ages. Yet a little waving hand built this huge wall, and that which builds is better than that which is built. The hand that built can topple it down much faster. Better than the hand and nimbler was the invisible thought which wrought through it, and thus ever behind the coarse effect is a fine cause, which, being narrowly seen, is itself the effect of a finer cause. Everything looks permanent until its secret is known. A rich estate appears to woman, a firm and lasting fact, to a merchant, one easily created out of any materials, and easily lost. An orchard, good tillage, good grounds, seem a fixture like a gold mine or a river to a citizen, but to a large farmer, not much more fixed than the state of the crop. Nature looks provokingly stable and secular, but it has a cause like all the rest, and when once I comprehend that, will these fields stretch so immovably wide, these leaves hang so individually considerable. Permanence is a word of degrees. Everything is medial. Moons are no more bound to spiritual power than bat-balls. The key to every man is his thought. Sturdy and defying though he look, he has a helm which he obeys, which is the idea after which all his facts are classified. He can only be reformed by showing him a new idea which commands his own. The life of man is a self-evolving circle, which from a ring imperceptibly small, rushes on all sides outwards to new and larger circles, and that, without end. The extent to which this generation of circles, wheel without wheel, will go, depends on the force or truth of the individual soul. For it is the inert effort of each thought, having formed itself into a circular wave of circumstance, as for instance an empire, rules of an art, a local usage, a religious rite, to heap itself on that ridge, and to solidify and hem in the life. But if the soul is quick and strong, it bursts over that boundary in all sides, and expands another orbit on the great deep, which also runs up into a high wave, with attempt again to stop and to bind. But the heart refuses to be imprisoned, in its first and narrowest pulses, and already tends outward, with a vast force, and to immense and innumerable expansions. Every ultimate fact is only the first of a new series. Every general law only a particular fact of some more general law, presently to disclose itself. There is no outside, no enclosing wall, no circumference to us. The man finishes a story. How good! How final! how it puts a new face on all things, he fills the sky. Oh, on the other side rises also a man, and draws a circle around the circle we had just pronounced the outline of the sphere. Then already is our first speaker not man, but only a first speaker, his only redress is forthwith to draw a circle outside of his antagonist, and so men do by themselves, the result of today, which haunts the mind and cannot be escaped, will presently be abridged into a word, and the principle that seemed to explain nature will itself be included as one example of a bolder generalization. In the thought of tomorrow, there is the power to upheave all thy creed, all thy creeds, all the literatures of the nations and marshal thee to a heaven which no epic dream has yet depicted. Every man is not so much a workman in the world, as he is a suggestion of that he should be. Men walk as prophecies of the next age. Step by step we scale this mysterious ladder. The steps are actions. The new prospect is power. Every several result is threatened and judged by that which follows. Every one seems to be contradicted by the new, it is only limited by the new. The new statement is always hated by the old, and to those dwelling in the old, comes like an abyss of skepticism. But the I soon gets wonted to it, for the I and it are the effects of one cause. Then its innocency and benefit appear, and presently all its energy spent. It pales and dwindles before the revelation of the new hour. Fear not the new generalization. Does a fact look crass and material, threatening to degrade thy theory of spirit? Resist it not, and goes to refine and raise thy theory of matter just as much. There are no fixtures to men if we appeal to consciousness. Every man supposes himself not to be fully understood. And if there is any truth in him, if he rests at last on the divine soul, I see not how it can be otherwise. The last chamber, the last closet, he must feel was never open. There is always a residuum unknown, unanalyzable. That is, every man believes that he has a greater possibility. Our moods do not believe in each other. Today I am full of thought, and can write what I please. I see no reason why I should not have the same thought, the same power of expression, tomorrow. What I write, whilst I write it, seems the most natural thing in the world. But yesterday I saw a dreary vacuity in this direction, in which now I see so much. And a month hence, I doubt not, i shall wonder who he was that wrote so many continuous pages alas for this infirm faith this will not strenuous this vast ebb of a vast flow i am god in nature i am a weed by the wall the continual effort to raise himself above himself to work a pitch above his last height betrays itself in a man's relations we thirst for approbation yet cannot forgive the approver. The sweet of nature is love. Yet, if I have a friend, I am tormented by my imperfections. The love of me accuses the other party. If he were high enough to slight me, then could I love him, and rise by my affection to new heights. A man's growth is seen in the successive choirs of his friends. For every friend whom he loses for truth, he gains a better. I thought, as I walked in the woods and mused on my friends, why should I play with them this game of idolatry? I know and see too well, when not voluntarily blind, the speedy limits of persons called high and worthy. Rich, noble, and great they are by the liberality of our speech, but truth is sad. O blessed spirit, whom I forsake for these, they are not thou every personal consideration that we allow costs us heavenly state. We sell the thrones of angels for a short and turbulent pleasure. How often we must learn this lesson. Men cease to interest us when we find their limitations. The only sin is limitation. As soon as you once come up with a man's limitations, it is all over with him. Has he talents? Has he enterprise? has he knowledge it boots not infinitely alluring and attractive was he to you yesterday a great hope a sea to swim in now you have found his stores found it a pond and you care not if you never see it again each new step we take in thought reconciles twenty seemingly discordant facts as expressions of one law Aristotle and Plato are wrecking the respective heads of two schools. A wise man will see that Aristotle Platonizes. By going one step farther back in thought, discordant opinions are reconciled by being seen to be two extremes of one principle, and we can never go so far back as to preclude a still higher vision. Beware when the great God lets loose a thinker on this planet, then all things are at risk. It is as when a conflagration has broken out in a great city, and no man knows what is safe or where it will end. There is not a piece of science but its flank may be turned tomorrow. There is not any literary reputation, not the so-called eternal names of fame, that may not be revised and condemned. The very hopes of man, the thoughts of his heart, the religion of nations, the manners and morals of mankind, are all at the mercy of a new generalization. Generalization is always a new influx of the divinity into the mind, hence the thrill that attends it. Valor consists in the power of self-recovery, so that a man cannot have his flank turned, cannot be out but put him where you will, he stands. This can only be by his preferring truth to his past apprehension of truth, and his alert acceptance of it from whatever quarter, the intrepid conviction that his laws, his relations to society, his Christianity, his world, may at any time be superseded and decease. There are degrees in idealism. We learn first to play with it academically as a magnet was once a toy, then we see in the heyday of youth and poetry, that it is true in gleams and fragments, then its countenance waxes stern and grand, and we see that it must be true, it now shows itself ethical and practical. We learn that God is, that he is in me, and that all things are shadows of him. The idealism of Berkeley is only a crude statement of the idealism of Jesus, and that again is a crude statement of the fact that all nature is a rapid efflux of goodness, executing and organizing itself. Much more obviously is history and the state of the world at any one time directly dependent on the intellectual classification then existing in the minds of men. The things which are dear to men at this hour are so unaccounted of the ideas which have emerged on their mental horizon and which cause the present order of things as a tree bears its apples, a new degree of culture would instantly revolutionize the entire system of human pursuits. Conversation is a game of circles in conversation. we pluck up the termini which bound the commonest silence on every side. The parties are not to be judged by the spirit they partake and even express under this Pentecost. Tomorrow they will have receded from this high water mark. Tomorrow you shall find them stooping under the old pack saddles. Yet let us enjoy the cloven flame, whilst it glows on our walls, when each new speaker strikes a new light, emancipates us from the oppression of the last speaker oppress us with the greatness and exclusiveness of its own thought, then yields us to another redeemer. We seem to recover our rights to become men. On what truths profound and executable only in ages and orms are supposed in the announcements of every truth? In common hours society sits cold and statuesque. We all stand waiting, empty, knowing, possibly, that we can be fooled. Surrounded by mighty symbols, which are not symbols to us, But prose and trivial toys. Then cometh a the god, and converts his statues into fiery men, And by a flash of his eyes, burns up the veil which shrouded all things, And the meaning of the very furniture, of cup and saucer, Of chair and clock and tester, is manifest. The facts which loom so large in the fogs of yesterday, property, climate, breeding, personal beauty and the like, has strangely changed their properties. All that we reckon settled, shakes and rattles, and literatures, cities, climates, religions, leaves their foundations and dance before our eyes, and yet here again see the Swiss circumspection. Good as is discourse, silence is better, and shames it. The length of the discourse indicates the distance of thought betwixt the speaker and the hearer. They were at a perfect understanding in any part. No words would be necessary thereon. If at one in all parts, no words would be suffered. Literature is a point outside of our hodiernal circle, through which a new one may be described. The use of literature is to afford us a platform whence we may command a view of our present life a purchase by which we may move it. We fill ourselves with ancient learning, install ourselves the best we can in Greek, in Punic, in Roman houses, only that we may wisely see French, English, and American houses and modes of living. In like manner we see literature best from the midst of wild nature, or from the din of affairs, or from a high religion. The field cannot be well seen from within the field. The astronomer must have his diameter of the Earth's orbit as a base to find the parallax of any star. Therefore, we value the poet. All the argument and all the wisdom is not in the encyclopedia or the treatise on metaphysics or the body of divinity, but in the sonnet or the play. In my daily work I incline to repeat my old steps, and do not believe in remedial force, in the power of change and reform. But some patriarch or ariosto, filled with the new wine of his imagination, writes me an ode or a brisk romance, full of daring thought and action. He smites and arouses me with his shrill tones, breaks up my whole chain of habits, and I open my eye on my own possibilities. He clamps wings to the sides of all the solid lumber of the world, and I am capable once more of choosing a straight path in theory and practice. We have the same need to command a view of the religion of the world. We can never see Christianity from the Catechism, from the pastures, from a boat in the pond, from amidst the songs of wood birds we possibly may, cleansed by the elemental light and wind, steeped in the sea of beautiful forms which the field offers us, we may chance to cast a right glance back upon biography. Christianity is rightly dear to the best of mankind, yet was there never a young philosopher whose breeding had fallen into Christian church, by whom that brave text of Paul's was not specially prized. Quote, then shall also the Son be subject unto him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. End quote. Let the claims and virtues of persons be never so great and welcome. The instinct of man presses eagerly onward to the impersonal and illimitable, and gladly arms itself against the dogmatism of bigots with his generous word out of the book itself. The natural world may be conceived of as a system of concentric circles, and we now and then detect in nature slight dislocations which apprise us that this surface on which we now stand is not fixed, but sliding. These manifold tenacious qualities, this chemistry and vegetation, these metals and animals, which seem to stand there for their own sake, are means and methods only, are words of God and as fugitive as other words. Has a naturalist or chemist learned his craft, who has explored the gravity of atoms and the elective affinities, who has not yet discerned the deeper law whereof this is only a partial or approximate statement, namely that like draws to like, and that the goods which belong to you gravitate to you, and need not be pursued with pains and costs, yet is that statement approximate also, and not final. Omnipresence is a higher fact, not through subtle subterranean channels need friend and fact be drawn to their counterpart. But rightly considered, these things proceed from the eternal generation of the soul. Cause and effect are two sides of one fact. The same law of eternal procession ranges all that we call the virtues, and extinguishes each in the light of a better. The great man will not be prudent in the popular sense. All his prudence will be so much deduction from his grandeur, but it behooves each to see, when he sacrifices prudence, to what god he devotes it. If to ease and pleasure, he had better be prudent still. If to a great trust, he can well spare his mule and panniers, who has a winged chariot instead. Geoffrey draws on his boots to go through the woods, that his feet may be safer from the bite of snakes. Aaron never thinks of such a peril. In many years neither is harmed by such an accident. Yet it seems to me that with every precaution you take against such an evil, you put yourself into the power of the evil. I suppose that the highest prudence is the lowest prudence. Is this too sudden a rushing from the centre to the verge of our orbit? think how many times we shall fall back into pitiful calculations, before we take up our rest in the great sentiment, make the verge of today the new center. Besides, your bravest sentiment is familiar to the humblest men. The poor and the low have their way of expressing the last facts of philosophy, as well as you, quote, blessed be nothing, and quote, End quote, the worse things are, the better they are. Quote, are proverbs which express the transcendentalism of common life. One man's justice is another's injustice, one man's beauty another's ugliness, one man's wisdom another's folly, as one beholds the same objects from a higher point. One man thinks justice consists in paying debts, and has no measure in his abhorrence of another, who is very remiss in this duty and makes the creditor wait tediously. But that second man has his own way of looking at things. Asks himself, which debt must I pay first? The debt to the rich, the debt to the poor, the debt of money, the debt of thought to mankind, of genius to nature. For you, O broker, there is no other principle but arithmetic. For me, commerce is of trivial import. Love, faith, truth of character, the aspiration of man, these are sacred. Nor can I detach one duty like you from all other duties, and concentrate my forces mechanically on the payment of monies. Let me live onward. You shall find that, though slower, the progress of my character will liquidate all these debts without injustice to higher claims. If a man should dedicate himself to the payment of notes, would not this be injustice? Does he owe no debt but money? And are all claims on him to be postponed to a landlord's or a banker's? There is no virtue which is final. All are initial. The virtues of society are vices of the saint. The terror of reform is a discovery that we must cast away our virtues. Or what we have always esteemed such into the same pit that has consumed our grosser vices. Quote, forgive his crimes, forgive his virtues too, those smaller faults half converts to the right. End quote. It is the highest power of divine moments that they abolish our contritions also. I accuse myself of sloth and unprofitableness day by day. But when these waves of god flow into me i no longer reckon lost time i no longer poorly compute my possible achievement by what remains to me of the month or the year for these moments confer a sort of omnipresence and omnipotence which asks nothing of duration but sees that the energy of the mind is commensurate with a work to be done without time and thus a oh circular philosopher I hear some reader exclaim you have arrived at a fine pyronism at an equivalence and indifferency of all actions and would fain teach us that if we are true forsooth our crimes may be lively stones out of which we shall construct the temple of the true god i am not careful to justify myself i own i am gladdened by seeing the predominance of the saccharine principle throughout vegetable nature And not less by beholding in morals that unrestrained inundation of the principle of good Into every chink and hole that selfishness has left open, Yea, into selfishness and sin itself, So that no evil is pure, nor hell itself without its extreme satisfactions. But lest I should mislead any when I have my own head and obey my whims, Let me remind the reader that I am only an experimenter, not set the least value on what I do, or the least discredit on what I do not, as if I pretended to settle anything as true or false. I unsettle all things. No facts are to me sacred. None are profane. I simply experiment, an endless seeker with no past at my path. Yet this incessant movement and progression which all things partake could never become sensible to us, but by contrast to some principle of fixture or stability in the soul. Whilst the eternal generation of circles proceeds, the eternal generator abides. That central life is somewhat superior to creation, superior to knowledge and thought, and contains all its circles. For ever it labours to create a life of thought as large and excellent as itself, but in vain, for that which is made instructs how to make it better. Thus there is no sleep, no pause, no preservation, but all things renew, germinate, and spring. Why should we import rags and relics into the new hour? Nature abhors the old, and old age seems the only disease. All others run into this one. We call it by many names. Fever, intemperance, insanity, stupidity, and crime. They are all forms of old age. They are rest, conservatism, appropriation, inertia. Not newness, not the way onward. We grizzle every day. I see no need of it, whilst we converse with what is above us we do not grow old, but grow young. Infancy, youth, receptive, aspiring, with religious eye, looking upward, counts itself nothing, and abandons itself to the instruction flowing from all sides. But the man and woman of seventy assumes to know all. They have outlived their hope. They renounce aspiration, accept the actual for the necessary, and talk down to the young, Let them, then, become organs of the Holy Ghost, let them be lovers, let them behold truth, and their eyes are uplifted, their wrinkles smoothed, they are perfumed again with hope and power. This old age ought not to creep on a human mind. In nature every moment is new, the past is always swallowed and forgotten, the coming only is sacred. Nothing is secure but life transition the energizing spirit no love can be bound by oath or covenant to secure it against a higher love no truth so sublime but it may be trivial tomorrow in the light of new thoughts people wish to be settled only as far as they are unsettled is there any hope for them life is a series of surprises We do not guess today the mood, the pleasure, the power of tomorrow when we are building up our being. Of lower states, of acts, of routine and sense, we can tell somewhat. But the masterpieces of God, the total growths and universal movements of the soul, he hideth. They are incalculable. I can know that truth is divine and helpful, but how it shall help me, I can have no guess. For so to be is a sole inlet of so to know the new position of the advancing man has all the powers of the old yet has them all new it carries in its bosom all the energies of the past yet is itself an exhalation of the morning i cast away in this new moment all my once hoarded knowledge as vacant and vain now for the first time seem i to know anything rightly the simplest words we do not know what they mean except when we love and aspire the difference between talents and character is adroitness to keep the old and trodden round and power and courage to make a new road to new and better goals character makes an overpowering present a cheerful determined hour which fortifies all the company by making them see that much is possible and excellent that was not thought of. Character dulls the impression of particular events. When we see the conqueror, we do not think much of any one battle or success. We see that we had exaggerated the difficulty. It was easy to him. The great man is not convulsible or tormentable. Events pass over him without much impression people say sometimes, see what I've overcome, see how cheerful I am, see how completely I've triumphed over these black events. Not if they still remind me of the black event. True conquest is a causing the calamity to fade and disappear as an early cloud of insignificant result in a history so large and advancing. The one thing which we seek with insatiable desire is to forget ourselves, to be surprised out of our propriety, to lose our sempiternal memory, and to do something without knowing how or why. In short, we draw a new circle. Nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. The way of life is wonderful. It is by abandonment. The great moments of history are the facilities of performance through the strength of ideas, As the works of genius and religion a man said oliver cromwell never rises so high as when he knows not whither he is going dreams and drunkenness the use of opium and alcohol are the semblance and counterfeit of this oracular genius and hence their dangerous attraction for men for the like reason they ask the aid of wild passions as in gaming and war to ape in some manner these flames and generosities of the heart. End of Essay Ten. This recording is in the public domain.